You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Numbers 14 and beginning in verse number 17. Uh, Ready? Begin. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation." Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people, according unto the greatness of thy mercy, and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. And let's pray. Our Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts from your word. I pray that we would be receptive. I pray that we would uh, be hearers, but may we also be doers of the word. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, if there's anyone in this auditorium today or anyone that's listening by way of radio or online, if there's anyone that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior... I pray that today would be the day of their salvation before it's too late. I pray that they would get that settled. I pray for many that are here today, many that are listening, many that are watching that are saved and they know Christ. I pray that today we would be drawn closer to Jesus. I pray we'd have a greater love and a greater passion for the things of God. I pray that you'd help us and meet with us and speak to us in a, in a powerful and a miraculous way. In these moments we're together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We see in this passage of Scripture, we find the result of Moses sending out the spies to spy out the promised land. Now, Moses sent out, help me with these questions. I know it's early, but I need you to get, get your brain, uh, brain in gear and start using it. And let's be thinking. Let's, let's, let's work together. Moses sent out how many spies to spy out the promised land? 12. And he sent out 12 spies because there was one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Moses sends out these spies and notice what it says in verse number 22. These were men that had seen the glory of God. They saw the miracles of God. They saw what God did in Egypt. They saw what God did in the wilderness, but Instead of having faith in God, the Bible says they tempted God. They they challenged God. They said, well, I wonder if God can do this. I wonder if God might do this. Well, if God did this, why doesn't he do this? 
And it says that they tempted God ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. So because these spies went out and they came back, and of the twelve, how many spies came back with a bad report? Or ten. The Bible calls it an evil report, meaning it was, it was a negative. It was not a, a report of faith, but it was a report of fear. It was not a report of, of focusing on God, but it was a report of focusing on the giants in the land and focusing on how big the walls were in Canaan. And they came back and they said, hey, those grapes are big. Boy, that land, it's a great land, but it ain't happening. There's no way we can go in there because those giants, boy, they're going to crush us. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. That's how big they were compared to us. So 10 spies said, no, we can't do it. But two spies said, yes, we can with the help of God. That was Joshua and Caleb. And the Bible says that because those spies did not believe God and the children of Israel, they followed the report of those 10 evil, uh, the 10 spies with no faith. The Bible says that only two men, Joshua and Caleb, were the only two that would get to enter into the promised land. All the rest of the people that were over 20 years of age and up, they would die in the wilderness and would not enter in. God commanded that the children of Israel then have to wander in the wilderness for how many years? Forty. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, one year for every day that the spies were gone. They were gone for 40 days. And so now we get to the end of this, this story in this account, and Moses is talking to God, and he's asking God to, to step in, and he's asking for God to show mercy. In verse 18, he says, the Lord is long-suffering. How many of you say amen to that? Aren't you glad God is patient with us? He is long-suffering. He is of great mercy and he is forgiving. Hallelujah for the forgiveness of God. And God says, I have pardoned, verse 20, according to thy word. But God says this. He says there's going to be some consequences for those that did not believe. But he gets to verse number 24. We get to verse 24 and God says this. But my servant Caleb because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me. What's that next word? Fully. What a testimony. You know what God says? He says, there was a guy by the name of Caleb and he didn't follow me halfway. He didn't follow me 75% of the way or 90% of the way or 95%, but he followed me fully. That word means holy, completely. With everything he had, Caleb followed God fully. I'd like to preach for a few moments this morning on this subject, following God fully. You know, I think in, in, in our churches, I think we've got a lot of Christians, I think we've got a lot of folks that are trying to follow God. I, I believe that with all my heart. I don't think you would be here today if you didn't want to follow God. Now, maybe there's a rare exception. Maybe a young person and the parents made you come or maybe it's a spouse and your spouse made you come. I don't know. I don't know. But I think for the most part, I think you're here today because you want to follow God. And I commend you for that. And I say thank you for coming. And I say thank you for having that kind of a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. 
But you know, as we follow the Lord, I don't want to just follow God some of the time. I don't want to just follow God with some of me. I want to follow God with all of me. I want to follow God fully. Uh, and that doesn't mean that you say, okay, well, pastor, we're going to follow God fully. So we're just going to camp at church 24-7. No, no, that's not following God. I believe you ought to come to church, but, but following God is not just at church, but following God is being a witness at the workplace. Following God is being a testimony in the community. Following God is being a, the right kind of husband, the right kind of wife, the right kind of a parent, the right kind of child. Following God is being the right kind of employer or employee. Following God is living out the Christian life 24-7 and letting your light shine so that men may see your good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. That's what following God is. Now, don't get me wrong. I think every Christian ought to go to church. I think every Christian ought to read their Bible. I think every Christian ought to pray. Absolutely, 100%. But that's not all we're commanded to do. We're commanded to live out our faith. We're commanded to, to take what God has given us, and we're commanded to have that make an impact in how we live. There's a world out there. They may never get inside the doors of this church, but they'll see you. They'll see me. And you may be the only Bible that some people will ever read. And may God help us to, to live and follow God fully. I want you to notice quickly in this passage, I see number one. How, how could this be said of Caleb that he followed God fully? Number one, I see that Caleb was a servant. You say, well, that's not very spectacular. That doesn't sound very exciting. No, but I think if God says that Caleb is his servant, I think that's significant. How many of you believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God? I believe it, as sure as I'm standing here. I believe it from Genesis to Revelation. I don't believe we need to correct the Bible. I don't think we need to rewrite the Bible. I think we need to reread the Bible. I think we just need to let the Bible do the work. It is the Word of God. But God says about Caleb, he doesn't talk about his education, although I'm all for education. Uh, by the way, I got to see uh, Virginia Saunders this week doing a great job at Pensacola. And Tim and Renee, I know you're so proud of her. And Cora, I don't know if you want her to come back or not. I don't know if that means, you know, she might get some attention or whatever. But anyway, we had a good time. I'm not, I'm not against education. Uh, we, have, we pray for our college students. And some of you in here that are in junior high and high school, you don't think education is that important. But guess what? It is. <laughs> and you need to go to school and you need to do your homework and you need to do absolutely but God doesn't even mention what kind of degree Caleb had. You know what God says? God says, Caleb was my servant. Now, 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 this is not tricky. This is not hard. But somebody tell me, what does a servant do? I know that's, that's real deep. Serve. There you go. It's in the word, right? Servants serve. And you know what God wants us to do? He wants us to serve. We are servants. Servants serve, meaning servants need to do work. I mentioned this in Sunday school today. Let me tell you what. I am, I am shocked at how many businesses, they just can't find people to work. Everybody wants to have a paycheck. Everybody wants to have money coming in, but nobody wants to work. Friend, I want to tell you, we as Christians, we ought not to, 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 to take on that attitude and say, well, we'll let somebody else do the work. Did you know this church could not operate without servants? This church every Sunday has hundreds of people that serve. 
You take the nursery workers and the, the Sunday school teachers and the junior church workers and the bus drivers and the bus workers and the choir members and the musicians and the sound men and the radio folks and the, the video men and the ushers and the greeters and the security and you take all of those people and that is a lot of work. But can I tell you, that's what's required. That's what is required in the work of the Lord. It requires people that are willing to serve. Servants work. Servants are not worried about who gets the credit. Servants are not worried about whether or not they're going to be recognized. And, and I'll just tell you right now, if you're doing what you're doing for the Lord, for recognition down here, you will definitely be disappointed. Because there will be times where you will kill yourself. There'll be times where you will give 110%. And not only will people not applaud you, they'll point out what you did wrong. And you're thinking, wait a second, I didn't even see you. You weren't even here. <laughs> oh, but it's funny how people like to show up afterwards and tell you all the things you didn't do right. You may work. You may serve God. You may give your all. And you expect somebody to pat you on the back. But they don't. They stab you in the back. And you're saying, is this the thanks I get? Is this the way it goes? I try to serve God and people don't even recognize me? Sometimes. But that's why we don't serve for the approval or the recognition or the applause of man. We serve to please him. And I want to tell you this, if you'll work and you'll serve and you'll labor for God, you'll never be disappointed because God is not unrighteous to forget your labor and your faithfulness in serving him. God is the righteous judge. You're going to stand before a judgment seat someday and you will receive the crowns. You will receive the rewards. You will receive compensation for how you serve him. But we're not here trying to get the credit. We're here to give God the glory. And servants serve. Servants just want to please the master. I see that Caleb is called my servant by God himself. Now, there are many folks in Scripture that we see that were servants of God, but only a few did God call them my servant. Let me give you a few on that list. Abraham. Abraham was called God's servant. Moses was called my servant by God. Of course, Caleb in this passage. David was called my servant by God. Job, remember that passage? God said to Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? Job was called the servant of God. The nation of Israel, uh, being called Jacob, my servant Jacob, the nation of Israel was called God's servant. Zerubbabel. Remember, Brother Paulie was here and he preached those messages from Zechariah, Zerubbabel. He was called God's servant. What a, what a privilege for God to say, hey, that guy, he is my servant. But lest we start to be lifted up in pride and say, oh, look at me, I'm God's servant. You know who else God called his servant? Nebuchadnezzar, a wicked man, a heathen man who was humbled for seven years because of his pride. And after his seven years of humility, he finally looked up and said, now I praise and now I extol the God of heaven, the God whose kingdom is forever and ever, for the God whose dominion has no end. And I want to tell you this, God can use anybody he wants to. 
God, when he's looking for servants, he's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. When God is looking for servants, he's not looking for the most talented. He's looking for the people that just want to serve him and the people that will say, here am I, Lord, send me. Caleb was a servant. In Matthew 12, verse 18, we see a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. And the Bible says that Jesus was God's servant whom he had chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. Now think about that. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he became a servant. Philippians 2, he thought, himself, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and made himself a servant. Lest we think that we're too good to serve, let me remind you that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, became a servant. Jesus Christ came to this earth not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom. Jesus Christ came to serve. In the New Testament, we are called servants of God. We are called to serve God. We are called to serve others. Ephesians 6, the Bible says we are servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Now, hang on. Sometimes as servants... We think, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do for that reason, because I'm supposed to do it. In the Old Testament, there were slaves. There were slaves that were set free, and after they were set free, they could go back to that master and they could say, I love my master, I want to serve my master, and they could pledge their lives to say, for the rest of my life, I want to serve you, not because I have to, but because I choose to. Did you know those are the kind of servants that God is looking for? Not the ones that have to, but the ones that say, I can't believe I get to serve God. I can't believe that God would use somebody like me. I can't believe that God would give me that kind of privilege. I can't believe that God could use an old, dirty, rotten sinner like me, but I'm so glad he can and sign me up. The Bible talks about Paul he called himself a servant of God. Peter called himself a servant of Jesus Christ. Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, said, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. Phoebe in the Bible was a lady in Romans 16 who was referred to as a servant of the church. Now I want to say this. You can serve God outside of this church, and I hope we all do serve God outside of this church. But the church is a great place to serve. There are so many opportunities. There are so many uh, uh, times that you can say, hey, what can I do? And we'll say, hey, we need somebody to help with this. Could you help with this ministry? Could you help with this? Hey, we've got, we got 5,000 flyers. We're passing out for Easter Sunday. Can you help us? We got 10,000 New Testaments. We're getting out to our community. Can you help us? And what a privilege it is to serve God through the church. The church is God's plan. The church, Jesus said, I will build my church. The Bible says Jesus loved the church. He gave himself for it, and we have the privilege to serve God through the church. We ought to be servants that are doing the will of God from the heart. A few years ago, there was a man in St. Petersburg, Florida. His name was Peter Schwarsch. Peter Schwarsch was listening to the news or saw on Facebook that in his community of St. Petersburg, Florida, there was a local Starbucks that was having a kind of a, a phenomenon going on. It was called 
pay it forward. How many of you ever heard of that, pay it forward? Um, I, I've, I've seen it a few times where I'll, I'll go through a, a drive-through or something and they'll say, hey, the person in front of you paid for your whatever. And sometimes I'll know who it is and I'll text that person, oh, thanks so much. One time I had it, I think it's only been once, but I had it where somebody said, hey, the person in front of you paid for your, your drink or your meal, whatever. And I'm thinking, I don't know who that is. And then they will say, would you like to pay for the person behind you? How many of you have ever had that happen? I've only had it happen once. Anybody else ever had that happen? A few of you, okay? Yeah, okay, good. So I'm not making this stuff up, folks, okay? This is not like my imagination. This stuff happens once in a while. But, but here's the thing. When they ask me, do you want to pay for the person behind you? Now, if I know the person, I might. And if I look back and if I ever see a uh, law enforcement vehicle, I try to pay for them in that way. But otherwise, you know what I'm thinking? Not really. <laughs> now, don't look at me so super spiritual. You would feel the same way. Somebody paid for yours. Now, would you like to pay for the person behind you? Sure, why not? Well, Peter Schwartz, anybody here, did anybody read this story about Peter Schwartz? Anybody hear this story? Peter Schwartz heard that this was going on in Florida, St. Petersburg. They were, it was going for 11 hours straight, unbroken, one car after another. Would you like to pay for the person behind you? Because the person in front of you just paid for yours. And everybody said yes. Until Peter Schwartz pulled through the line. They said, sir... Somebody just paid for your drink. Would you like to pay for the person behind you? He said, absolutely not. <laughs> Every party has a pooper, right? That's why we invited you. And, and, and the person at the window was shocked. Like, what do you mean? Everybody else is doing this. And here's what he said. He said, no. He said, I'm not going to be pressured into buying for the person behind me. I'm not going to be guilted into paying for the person behind me just because that's what's expected of me. And he took out a $100 bill. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be okay if I was the one in the drive-thru getting that, right? He pulled out a $100 bill and he gave it to the, the lady uh, that was working in the Starbucks, the barista, he gave it to her. He said, I don't want to pay for the person behind me, but I'd like to give you a $100 tip. He said, I don't have to do it. Nobody expects me to do it. You didn't expect me to do it. You didn't think I was going to do it. I'd like to do something not because I have to, but because I want to. I want to show my generosity. And that's what he did. And Fred, I want to tell you, sometimes in the Christian life, we're like that pay it forward mentality. I got to go to church. I got to read my Bible. I got to pray. Oh, here's one. I got to tithe. So as we write that check or as we do that online deposit or, or the online transaction, it's like, well, here we go again. I got to do this. Friend, I want to tell you, the Christian life should not be a life that is lived out of guilt and shame and, oh, I have to. It ought to be lived out of a life of, I get to serve God. Jesus died for me. Jesus paid the price for me. Why would I not want to serve him? Why would I not want to do this for him after all he's done for me? But we see that Caleb was a servant. He was a servant of God. He was also a servant of Moses. I don't have time to get into all this, but I think it's amazing to me that Caleb was faithful not just to serve God, but he was faithful to serve Moses. You know, Moses wasn't perfect. As a matter of fact, far from it. 
But here's what I love. When Moses passed off the scene, Caleb did not stop serving God. And I want to remind you today, you're not here to serve me. You're not here to serve a Sunday school teacher. You're not here to serve an assistant pastor. You're not here to serve a deacon. You're not here to serve a charter member. You are here today to serve God. And when people pass off the scene, when people are no longer in your lives, and you say, well, I'm not going to serve God anymore. Whoa, hang on. If you were serving God before, then you should still be serving him now because he's still God. And because he still loves you and because he still gave his son for you. Friend, uh, Caleb was a servant of God. He was a servant of Moses in Joshua 14 and 15. He was a servant uh, to Joshua. Caleb served people. But first and foremost, verse number 24, the Bible says that he was God's servant. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that we serve God. Number two, I see Caleb's spirit. The Bible says in verse number 24, because he had another spirit with him. That word another, it simply means he was different. Everybody else was complaining. Everybody else was critical. Everybody else was, was negative. Everybody else was depressed. Oh, we can't go into the promised land. Oh, God brought us out here to kill us. Oh, where's, well, we had it so much better in Egypt. And Caleb says, time out, guys. That's not true. God's got something better for us. God brought us out of Egypt. We were slaves in Egypt and God's got a promised land. God's got a land flowing with milk and honey. And he said, by the grace of God, we can do it. And God is able. We need some Christians in 2023. We need some church members in 2023 that'll stop being so negative and critical and complaining and murmuring and griping and oh everything's so bad and oh you hear about the economy oh did you hear about this did you hear about the Middle East did you hear about Russia did you... hey listen yes I've heard about all that stuff but that does not change the fact that there is a God in heaven and God is still good and God is still faithful the Bible says in the book of Daniel that he had an excellent spirit and because of that excellent spirit God promoted him and God blessed him your attitude determines your altitude God has called us to serve him with gladness. Paul desired to finish his course with joy. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Friend, don't lose your joy. Don't lose the, the, the blessing it is to serve God. Guard your spirit. If you don't guard it, you will become bitter. You will become critical. You will become frustrated. You will be mad at the world if you don't on purpose guard your spirit. And if you don't get yourself in the word of God and get yourself in a prayer closet. And if you don't get yourself around people that love God and people that have a good spirit. You will go down to the spirit and the attitude of the age. And you know what that is? Oh, the world's coming to an end. Everything's done. Oh, no, friend. I'm not looking for the end of the world. I'm looking for the trumpet to sound. I'm looking for Jesus to come back. And Caleb had a spirit that was different from the world. Number three, I see in this passage, what was it that caused Caleb to follow fully? I, I believe number three, Caleb was sold out. You see, the Bible says that he hath followed. God said, he hath followed me fully. I won't take the time to turn there, but it says the same thing in Numbers 32, verses 11 and 12. It says the same thing in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 36, in Joshua 14, 8, and Joshua 14, 14. It says that Caleb wholly 
followed God. That means you got to follow God, not just in the good times. That means you follow God in the sunshine and in the rain. That means you follow God when you're on the mountaintop and you follow God when you're in the valley. That means you follow God when you're in health or when you're in sickness. You follow God when there's wealth or when there's poverty. But you follow God no matter what. Caleb experienced the ups and downs. Caleb saw the plagues in Egypt and, and Caleb experienced following God even when you had to wait on God. Have you ever been there? He said, boy, I'm willing to follow God, but I wish he'd hurry up and go somewhere because I want to go. No, you, you, don't, you don't hurry God up. You slow down and you wait on God. You trust God. Caleb experienced the plagues in Egypt. He experienced the Red Sea. He experienced the mistakes and the failures of Moses. Caleb was there when Moses made mistakes. He was there when Moses took that rod. Instead of speaking to the rock, Moses took the rod and beat the rock. And that was not what God said. And Caleb could have said, well, look, see, look what Moses did. Why should I follow God? But Caleb said, I'm not following Moses. I'm only following Moses as he follows God. And Caleb was sold out. Caleb spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness with the people for mistakes that he didn't make. Have you ever been frustrated with people before? Because they messed things up that affected you? Caleb knew what that was like. But you know what he said? Hey, I'm just going to trust the Lord. I'm going to keep following God. You guys can complain all you want. You can criticize all you want. You can be negative all you want. But I'm going to follow God. He was sold out. Lastly, number four, and I'm done. What did Caleb get out of it? Well, I'll tell you, he got the same thing out of it that you and I will get out of it. Satisfaction. He got blessing. He got a reward. You say, what was it? Well, it says in verse 24 that God promised that he will bring him into the land whereinto he went and his seed shall possess it. The Bible tells us in the book of Joshua that Caleb got an inheritance. He got a possession. He got some land. And God said, hey, these other folks, they're not going to go in. They're not going to enter the promised land. But Caleb, you, my friend, you, my servant, you are going in. And friend, I want to tell you, God's got great things for you. God's got blessings for you. God has blessings for those who will follow and those who will be faithful. And not only did Caleb get an inheritance, but his children got to enjoy it. His children, he had something to pass on to them. And friend, I want to tell you, when Caleb experienced the blessing of God, when he entered the promised land, he was 85 years old. You say, how'd they get him in? In a wheelchair? Was it a stretcher? Oh, no. They went into the promised land, and they couldn't keep up with Caleb. Caleb goes in, 85 years old, and says, you guys better hold me back, because I want that mountain. And I want those giants. Oh, let me at them. I'm going to get those guys. And you know what he did? 85 years old. And he went into that promised land, sitting on ready, chomping at the bit. Let me have it. And friend, I want to tell you, until God takes you home, that's the kind of attitude you ought to have. 
It's the kind of attitude I want to have. I, I don't want to say, well, I'm just going to coast, you know. Oh, here I am. Boy, I'm old. 43 years old. I'm just going to coast to the finish line. Here I am. I'm 55 years old. I think I'm just going to coast. Hey, I'm 65. I'm 70. And friend, if you're 65 or 70 or 80 or 90, whatever age you are, I'm not saying you have to do anything more than you can do. I'm just saying this. Why don't you still follow God fully? Just give God your best. Just give him your all. And Caleb experienced the blessing of God, the satisfaction. While everybody else was dying off, all of those that were over 20 years of age and up, they all died in the wilderness. And Caleb and Joshua were the only ones of that generation that got to go in. Do you think when Caleb set foot across that Jordan River and he set foot in the promised land, do you think he had any regrets that he had followed God? No. And neither will you and neither will I if we will follow God fully. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.